Have you guys considered getting chickens again? I mean, now would be the time. Well, Sarah just got some quail. Oh, quail. For meat or eggs? Or one and then the other if they don't do it right? For eggs, and then, you know, in theory, eventually for meat if we don't get too attached to them. Which, I mean, they're cute and adorable, but they're also birds, so they're monsters. Yeah, they're, they're tiny dinosaurs. Tiny dinosaurs that like to, you know, rip each other apart, given a moment's notice. They'll probably be delicious if it comes to it. They will be wonderful soup. And failing that, you got all the stray cats in your area. There is that as well. The stray cats, the stray raccoons, they have a wonderful, wonderful habit of reducing our outside animal population. Welcome to Brokazatsu, two brothers' exploration of Tokazatsu shows and related media. My name's Sam. And I'm Harry. And I have to apologize to my co-host Sam for roping him in on a mega game, kind of a large-scale uh, in-person board game thing that is not being done in person this time. It's being online for certain reasons. Yes, certain reasons which we will not name. Yeah, uh, uh, but I guess it wasn't clear to Sam or even fully clear to me about since it's online, it's being run by people in Sweden, so... It's starting in the afternoon for them, but it is, we do basically need to be up and online at 3 a.m. So that's going to be, that's going to be fun. There's a non-zero chance that our ship is just on autopilot for a couple turns, but, you know, we'll see. Uh, I mean, it's a game with hidden mechanics and some of, some of us may be traitors. So in case that does happen, I mean, we'll have a very excuse because we're going to be real tired and grumpy. So we could we could blame any weird behavior on that, which is also good because Sam's openly threatening people in the Discord. I mean, that's just how I roll in the mega games, Harry. Like you need you need an antagonist in the mega games. Sam, uh, we're Harry. Every mega game that I've been in, like one of two things have happened: I've either killed a ton of people, <laughs> which is not supposed to happen, or I've been killed by a ton of people, which is also not supposed to happen. Yeah, yeah, that does always happened with us i am either murdered by a collective or i take part in a collective murder speaking in speaking of like annoyingly obvious things happening and things technically progressing but maybe it's not always as satisfying as it should be let's talk about common writer zero one episodes 28 and 29 because we're we're catching up uh yeah, so a quick programming note uh, before we get into these episodes. And Harry, I'm not even sure if you saw this, but it's something that, that I saw the Toku pages. Oh, the Red Ranger? Wait, what? The Red Ranger? Uh, Kirimijir, uh Sentai guy? Now, are you about to tell me something super sad, Harry? I don't think it's super sad yet. So the the current running Sentai series that just started, the Red Ranger does, does uh, have confirmed coronavirus. So they kind of shut down Toei for a bit. Yeah, so that that's the part that I was going to get into. Toei... The Toku production company is shut down for the full month of April, possibly longer. So we're covering Kamen Rider Zero One. And I mean, there, there's going to be a point where we are not covering Kamen Rider Zero One. Harry, like, how are you feeling about covering a live running series at this point? This is perfect. It's hubris of the highest matter. That's the one time I decide to be fucking current. It's it goes wrong in the most spectacular way. Yeah. Yeah, goes wrong on just a global scale. 
terrible things have happened to Kamen Rider scheduling, and good things came of it. Like, in the very first series, the lead actor, when doing a motorcycle stunt, broke both of his legs. And they had to... There was a scramble as they edited around it, but then they came back with a new actor. And, like, so the show will probably stop production at a certain point. Uh, maybe even, like, a weirdly... Like, we may be getting, like, a, an Empire Strikes Back kind of break at a dark moment. Uh, but maybe it'll come back with something new and interesting with the characters in a different place, you know? Yeah, and, you know, it it could turn out for the best, uh, story and plotline-wise, um, especially because, I mean, that writer's room, you just got to imagine it's like, they're pumping out an episode every week, every week, every week, so, like, I'm not sure when they take breaks, but now that they're kind of forced to take breaks, like, now that they're forced to step back and evaluate the series and, you know, come back... I got to expect the first few episodes back are just going to be pure fire. Maybe the plot will have uh, non-contrived reasons for going forwards. Maybe like the, the rules they've established, they'll f- keep following them and not just like be angry and work through. I, I, I'm I kind of didn't like these. I mean, I would have been furious if we'd just watched the first one. Watching both of them is a little better because of the, some of the good things, but I, I I don't like the direction everything's going, and we should we should get into it as opposed to talking. Like let's let's. Let's do the summation after us covering the episode, Sam. That's the way real podcasters would do. I was doing a goddamn programming note, Harry, which is good to do up top. You were the one who jumped in with the plot. Fine. Kamen Rider, 01, episode 28. It's 28, right? Yes, 28. As it starts, they're talking about how uh, there's the big public vote on reestablishing Daybreak City. That city that got nuked because of the packed human gears. The also, it's also the city with the evil satellite at the bottom of a lake that n- nobody has even mentioned trying to, you know, get Scooby Gear and go down and, like, dynamite it or something. Yeah, they really need to take care of that. There's lots of things that, even if they, like, in the show said they tried it and it didn't work, that would be better. But, like, as there's lots of stuff that, you know, should have been tried and not worked. Uh, because one of the pe- corporations in this, Zaya, is behind literally everything. Uh, so one of the things that size behind is the opposition to this vote. Uh, so we see Guy uh, hiring a politician. Uh, not entirely sure what their relationship is, but uh, this is a person just looks like generic ass generic politician. And I gotta say, we don't get much backstory on this guy. We don't explore this character in any kind of depth whatsoever. This is the thinnest of thin uh, characters so far. This five uh, this five uh, arc battle. Izu goes briefly over the competition, how they've won two and lost two, even though the two that they'd lost was really only due to weird chicanery and technicalities, and Zaya cheated in literally all of them, and they should have, you know, pushed that a bit more. Mm-hmm. Instead, uh, they're just going forward, it's a public vote, and kind of that's the last contest, and uh, Aruto is happy because, you know... The Pat Human Gears, who've done all the jobs, have tested before, before, and so now he just needs to get an amazing Human Gear politician. But then he stops and says, wait, are there any Human Gear politicians? And it turns out that Human Gear politicians are illegal, which actually kind of tracks. Yeah, but Human Gear defense lawyers aren't. Well, I mean, what is a politician? Like, a politician isn't really a job. It's like, you know, it's something that you're elected to. Like, you're a representative of the citizenry. You can't have a machine do that until we get to you know aoc's perfect world type of thing so the human gear that they decide to go forward with uh in the with the lack of a politician is a dj rapper human gear an entertainment human gear which is not the worst idea but i would have thought that like 
maybe a motivational speaker human gear, something like that. Yeah, it, it's MC Check It Out, who's played by a black actor, and like he's like a foot taller than everybody on the show. I was worried about being really bad, but it's not. Like th- this part is not too bad. Like the rapping is, it, it's just kind of perfunctory, you know. Uh, the the racial politics of the episode are fine up until a very explicit point when they are not, which we will get to. In that, if it's the moment I'm thinking of, it's almost like intentional what they're kind of doing. I know it's intentional, but we'll get to it. We see some street work, like the politician is just shouting into a crowd, like on the top of a van with a loudspeaker. No, human gears are here to take your jobs. Don't, uh, don't trust the machines. Humans for humans. I know that they're trying to make him sound evil. Someone just being like up with humanity. It's not the worst thing. He's pointing out that human gears are attacking people seemingly at random, and like that's not an untrue statement. It's just uh, he didn't intelligence is not putting forward the facts that. Okay, pretty much all of those times were instigated by Zaya. It was rage incidents caused Zaya manipulating things, literally attacking them, cheating in contests, like openly like slapping belts at them, attacking them. Like that's the thing that he didn't intelligence should say. Yeah, this is one of the most profound examples of like the protagonists of the heroes of the story being purely reactionary, being not at all. Uh, proactive, like not having agendas of their own, only reacting to the movements of the villains. Well, uh, and I not mean, even reacting that well. No, Aruto has an agenda. That's not the problem. It's just that, like, he's working hard to try to save the human gears. He's doing stuff. It's just there's there's lots of stuff he's not doing as parts of it, which is like, and it's not being portrayed as he's failing to do it or like he is like kind of dumb. It's just that. If he tried any of that, the plot of the show would fall apart because it would work instantly. You know, yeah. They could have, <laughs> they could have had him try it. Like if the whole thing was him trying to get evidence and constantly being like, if it was constantly denied by the Zadran media that we've seen that he has. You know, if they'd done more to show that, you know, that's how the the conversation was being controlled, that would be fine. But they haven't. Instead, he just says, "No, I mean, uh, well, the rap, the MC, check it out, says, hey." We got that sushi robot. He's really great. We got that <laughs> the we got the bus the tour bus guide who's good at giving history who has been totally deleted. Also, the rapper wraps a summary of the first ten episodes of the series, and you know it's it's perfunctory TV rap, but it's not as bad as either of us were fearing. It's not like good rap. It's just like not terrible. It's very much '90s sitcom rap, like granny rap. But hey, it's. The performance is all right, and we get to see Izu just, you know, busted a move with the crowd. Yeah, she, Izu, Izu seems really into whatever they cover for the episode. Uh, she's posing with the guy, but, and, and again, here's some of the good writing. We cut to the vice president guy in Aruto's office who says, Okay, yeah, he's playing really well amongst younger voters, but this is a popular vote. That's not a demographic, that's not the only demographic. Like, Japan has a very rapidly aging populace, so the older demographic is important. We need to play better in general yeah they've kind of been rehabilitating the uh, the vice president the past few episodes without altering his character at all and i'm here for it like the vp he's still a jerk to aruto but all his complaints are real and have backing and are all like complaints working towards the same goal yeah and what he suggests here here's kind of the questionable politics thing uh he says all right your whole image it it's not going to play well. We need to fix it up. So he, there's like a holographic representation. He basically shows uh, MC Check It Out instead wearing like a nice suit and changing his hairstyle to kind of look a more shorter thing, which is very fraught politically. 
Yes, that's true. But also, I mean, it's a thing that would be suggested by this guy, and, like, it's it's a fine flaw for him to, to have, and it's a good character beat. That is not the moment I was talking about, Harry. We will still get to my moment. I guess maybe I overlooked it. As a rapper is saying, like, no, I am not going to change my image. Uh, I am who I am, and I'm going to talk to the people the way I want. You guys are just as greedy as everyone else. Arto reads between the lines and says, wait, a lot of the times the human gears noticed something in these contests that Zai is cheating, and I never called them on. What are you- Maybe we should actually try it this time. Like, hey, what, what did you notice? Now we get uh, to see a moment where a guy, he is out of the crowd, and then Fua comes up to confront him. And they go to have a quick little private meeting, and Guy, instead of just arresting, or uh, Fua, instead of just arresting Guy for all the manifold crimes that he has personally witnessed in his duties as a law enforcement officer. And Jack, Jack has, you know, Jack has admitted to, to his face. Again, if there had been a scene where Fua went to some higher up and said, like, hey, he has said to my face, and, like, he got stonewalled or something, that would be fine. But no, it said he's just saying... Hey, can you give me some more evidence so I could so I could pin crimes on your corporation that you have definitely done? Yes, and uh, at this point, Jack, he just kind of laughs at Fua and he says, "Oh, uh, by the way, Fua, I'm pretty sure you're the one who let Hirobi out, and I think it happened because you've been hacked." And Fua's like, "That's dub. How can I be hacked? I'm not a human gear." And Jack says, "Well, no, you're not, but you, I did install an AI chip in your brain so that you could use the belt." And how did this happen without Fua knowing it? Fua is a very hard-headed person who has a tendency to go to the ER regularly. Like, I would say that it's almost a weekly occurrence for him to be, like, under complete anesthesia. Okay, but again, if he'd even had the line, like, you remember the, uh, when you got wounded during this one confrontation and you went to the hospital? That's when, you know, I slipped it in. But he doesn't mention anything like that. Now, this is something that they can kind of go back retroactively like yeah we they didn't could get fix scene. it later but now it's broken it's not necessary like if there is a reasonable explanation for when the chip got implanted uh in a way that fua would not notice then i'm i'm kind of fine with it i it's still a question like even if it's answered later this is a question fua should say like when when was it installed and jack could just smile like they could ask the question. They don't need to answer it now, but at least the character should be like, that's weird. I'm not angry about it yet. I don't see it as a plot hole. Like, it's not a plot hole if there's a reasonable explanation for it. And we don't even need to know that reasonable explanation. There just needs to be the space for a reasonable explanation. No, that it is a plot hole. That That's what a plot hole is. If the plot hole gets filled in by an explanation, then it's not a plot hole. But right now it's a plot hole. He had something implanted in his brain without knowing, and there's no suggestion of, like, when it happened, and there's not even, he's not even asking when it happened. It's a plot hole. It's like, that's what a plot hole is. I think it's different. Like, you know, a plot hole is something that, you know, clunks the plot if it's not filled in. Whereas this is something where the plot can proceed, so long as there is a reasonable expectation that there is a reasonable explanation. Let's assume, okay, Harry, like... He was hired onto Ames. He was transferred to Ames, so I'm assuming he went through testing. Yeah, there's a million points where that could have happened. It's not just not answered here. The question is not being raised, and he's a cop. He should be like, when did this happen? Well, he's not a good cop. He's never been a good cop. The The point is, uh, so yeah, he's not a good cop. What Fua does instead is get angry and transform into Assault Vulcan and have a 
brief fight where he's just kind of beaten down by Thouser. Mm-hmm. But then saved by Hirobi. Yeah, Harry, like, remember a couple episodes ago what I called a Fuwa Hirobi team up? The situation is becoming really weird here politically between, like, the multiple factions, and I'm, I'm liking that part, at least. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's getting, it's getting weird and messy, and I do appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, Jack just turns to him and says, he, you're an endangered species whose time has passed, and goes to beat on him, but Hirobi actually starts, like, fighting a little smarter, dodging and saying, yeah, I am a learning machine, and I've, you've showed yourself fight all the time, and I've kind of learned how to counter you, so he dodges around, like, he fires a big attack that Jack blocks, but then it splits into a bunch of arrows that hit Jack, and knock him down. Hirobi, like, we're kind of blowing past a little bit. I just want to highlight, Hirobi's save into the scene was fucking badass. Like, Fuwa's down, is about to get, like, ganked. Hirobi shows up and just drops a nuke. Like, a very stylish nuke onto Thouser. Like, a big poison nuke. And because of the way I'm doing notes now, um, like, because uh, it's faster, I, I realized, because I was just writing down the dialogue a lot, now I'm taking screen caps. As I'm flipping through these, I realize... At the start of the scene, when Fuwa is talking to Thouser, it is day. When Hirobi shows up and starts fighting, it is evening. And at the end, when they de-transform, it is at the middle of the night. Well, I mean, that's that's Toku for you. It, again, that's a weird... The, X-Aid may be a weird thing to cover at some point in the future, because this is an exact thing he did with a person in X-Aid. Oh, interesting. So, like, when a character shows up, you're saying that it gets darker. It, it, like, the time of day would change. And that, that meant something for that character, because he had kind of time-based powers. Anyway, Jack is fine, totally getting his ass beaten. Uh, he's like, whatever, all part of my plan. Yes, they walk away, uh, Yua walks away. Fua asks Sorobi why he protected him, at which point he says it was the Ark's will. Interesting. So, uh, Yua and Guy, they're back at their base vamping. Uh, they're talking about brain chips. And uh, Yua, like, you could tell, you know, She's just not into this. Like, she's going along. Like, she she also has a brain chip. It it stands to be mentioned. You must have a brain chip to use the devices that they are to transform. Which also raises the possibility that, you know, Guy also has a brain chip. Yeah, I mean, he might, he might have chipped himself in some way. Like, the thing they've established is the Raid Riser. You can use that if you're a normal human. The Shot Riser, which Yua and Fuwa use. It needs an AI chip. Uh, Thousand Driver? No idea. And Zero One Driver? I mean, Aruto can use it. He's been seen interfacing with technology, but he definitely didn't have a chance to get implanted with that te- technology recently. So, more evidence for my he's been a hybrid or something all this time. Yeah, it's it's a very strong possibility that he's a hybrid or a clone with tech in him, or, you know, it, we'll, we'll find that out. Or maybe not, who knows? Cut to the politician, and we reveal the nature of his relationship with Zaya because he's receiving just a real big bribe. Now, I was a little confused. Like, now, Harry, I think I enjoyed these episodes more than you did. That said, this subplot is so fucking dumb. I mean, so what we have here is the politician and a couple friends, like, they're having uh, steamed buns at a restaurant, and uh, it is revealed that there is a bribe money. There's bribe money at the bottom of the case, of the steamed buns, which the DJ exposes, he throws into the air, and videotapes everything. Now, there was no need for illegal activity here. Like, why the hell didn't Zaya just hire these guys on as consultants and pay them? Like, <laughs> th- th- there, there need be 
no crime. I'm not even sure. Like, people say that this is a corrupt act, but uh, what if he signed a W-2? This might be a case, Sam, of the Japanese legal system having less loopholes for, you know, paying off politicians. Like, we're Americans, and that's, like, the way you're talking. Maybe our listener in Australia is listening to that and be like, what the hell is he talking about? No, yeah, you can pretty much bribe politicians as much as you want in America, but maybe not overseas. There are so few ways to bribe a politician in America, because most ways you choose to bribe a politician in America are perfectly legal so long as you fill out, like, two forms. And the illegal ones are also legal if you get caught, but work it out. Yeah, like, it, it's usually you have to pay a fine, and the fines are usually less than the bribe, so it's it's still, like, a benefit if you get bribed and you, have, you get fined for that. It's so messed up. It's, like, American political system is destroyed. It's whatever. <sighs> <sighs> moving on, moving on. Uh, also, uh, MC checking out noticed in the crowd that some of the people cheering on Zaya, there were plans to, you know move things in his direction uh just lots of stacking the deck and this one time (laughs) heated intelligence decides hey let's let's show people this evidence so they go on tv and jacques the dj he reveals the footage of the bribe money raining down everywhere and the various people in the crowd however the politician fires back uh with the video evidence of his own which has the exact same timestamp. Suspiciously, he had this footage exactly ready to go, like queued up to the exact spot. And he was like, nope, I was at my office. Here, it's a timestamp. You can't possibly, like, corrupt a timestamp. Not a desire spec. Also, I mean, and this is me being kind of nitpicky, but kind of not. It was, I think, like three or four episodes ago where there was a major plot point about a person on trial for, like, fraud, and he was caught on video at a location at an entirely different time, but that evidence got quickly thrown down. And there's no attempts to blink it in that way. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a little... It's, like, this subplot is straight dumb. And what makes it worse, Harry, is this next moment, because the Himagir, he does not like that this politician is lying to him, and so he decides to get very angry on TV. And, like, with... So the rest of the human gears that we saw uh, get that got prompted to go evil, uh, they were, you know, they were shoved into lakes. They were beaten. They were physically assaulted. Uh, they were lambasted. Like, this guy, though, he just straight goes evil of his own will and volition, and he's shouting about how human gears are going to destroy all filthy humans. Human gears are going to run the government. And so this is kind of the really bad racial politics moment I was talking about, Harry, because... You know, the, the one the one human gear that we see kind of loses shit and go like, you know, big black man rage. I mean, that that's not untrue. I guess we've seen human gears like turn evil for less and less profound reasons. Well, have we? Like when when have other human gears gone berserk without considerable outside prompting? Whereas this one just kind of, you know, this one just kind of lost his shit for very little cause. I mean, one went one went Magir on purpose. Yeah, but that was all part of a plan, and he said that, you know, he had less control over it than he thought he would. So I don't count that one. Well, it's it's a little complicated, because he's he's angry and yelling stuff, but he doesn't actually transform or attack people right away. He's I mean, it's still dumb of him, like he should have known how important this was and should not have yelled on live television in front like before a very important vote that humans are terrible, human gear should be in charge instead. 
the, about how they're going to wipe out humanity, Harry. <laughs> I, you know, he's a rapper. Maybe he was like they they talk it up. Maybe that's just a big rapper and saying like, "Hey, I'm going to murder all y'all." And very few rappers actually do. I mean, there's there's Suge Knight, but like the rest of them. Wait, did you, Harry? Did you just say Suge Knight? Oh God, is is that not his name? I'm not a it I'm is. not an expert in rapping. <laughs> Who's the one who like hit a guy with a car recently? Uh oh God, I don't even know, Harry. I think it was Suge Knight. Stop saying that. Is that not his name? I uh, haven't heard it. I haven't heard it pronounced. <laughs> but anyway, let's move on. There was. Okay, yeah, I guess it wasn't him. I mean, I'll take this, because, like, I certainly don't cut it out when you say dumb stuff. But who was that guy who... Uh, hold on, rapper. The guy who might have killed Tupac? You know, it, it's Suge Knight. As oh. in sugar. Sugar Knight, you know? No, but there was there was some guy who hit, like, was, like, on at a music, music studio and, like, blatantly murdered somebody. We really don't need to get into this, Harry. Like, there's actually a lot of rappers with a lot of, like, long rap sheets. Okay, you know what? You remember when Snoop Dogg was on trial for murder? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so... What are we talking about? Anyway. Look. <laughs> <laughs> okay. This, this weird energy in this episode. The point is, Jack says, Alright, this this shows you, big uh, television audience, human gears are dangerous, and to protect you, we have this new invention. And Yua puts on a Raid Riser. And she transforms into some kind of, like, fucking death Valkyrie. Because, hey, I guess she's going to be the back-end villain of the series. It's jackal-based, not cheetah-based. And so people at the start of the show were worried that she was going to die or something because she didn't have upgrades later. And, like, Fuwa's the Albin wolf-themed. And I guess because this wasn't cheetah-themed, people didn't realize. But it's using different technology than usual. And, yeah, it's uh, kind of a dark, uh, still cat-themed, but now it has a big scythe. Yeah, she looks like a, a grim fucking reaper. Like, you know, there is there is no way to play her off as, like, a good guy in this costume. Jack just kind of kicks a uh, one of the other belts to uh, check it out and says, Hey, do you, do you want to go? But Let's try this. On live TV. He, like, throws him an illegal device, which has been causing terrorist attacks, and he does it on live TV. Yeah, he does. Uh, check it out, decides, you know what, yeah, let's, let's do this. He puts it on. He's got the dodo key, and he he. It's a brief fight, uh, with between him and Yua. Mm-hmm. Very brief. Yeah, Yua's. It's a new suit and it's her new form, so she's real strong. That's how it is. So yeah, uh, the fight is mostly a chance for Guy to vamp, uh, while holding back Aruto uh, from being able to interfere with the fight. And then, as the episode ends, we see Fuwa and Jin hanging out in an alley while Fuwa is freaking out. Uh. So, as we go into the next episode, uh, Guy, he's still gloating, and Aruto is down on the ground. There's no one left to save you, uh, until Fuwa shows up and shoots in the air, and scatters the crowd. Turns out Fuwa's really pissed off that there's a chip in his head that he didn't know about, for good fucking reason. Guy, he's just like, he's admitting to everything, like, all these crimes, on camera, like, you know, throwing illegal weapons tech to human gears, on camera, like, talking about implanting brain chips, on camera. And all of this would make sense if it had been shown him actively manipulating the media and stuff like that. But he seems just super blatant. But, uh, yeah, Guy decides to activate the chip 
in Fua's head, at which point Fua starts shooting Aruto in the chest. Yep, speaking with the uh, different voice that we heard from uh, the first couple times the mysterious uh, person was fighting. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll mention this now, uh, but so I don't need to dance around it. The character, like, in his, uh, like... The kind of the Humigear character who is like in his head, the alternate personality, is named Naki. And the character is explicitly non-binary. So I'll I'll say that. Uh in fact, the actor portraying them, like uh the voice I used she pronounced before, but there's actually it's hard to tell because there's a translation barrier and this might have been new, but I think the actor might actually be non-binary too. Hopefully it'll be less confusing after ending a series with a character who had like different pronouns than you might seem. Like, here's another case where I'm going to be a little strict about it. Well, I mean, that that's fine and definitely correct me as as this comes up. But, like, I mean, this character is destroyed. Is this character actually going to be on the show? Yeah, they show up a little bit and they were cast and I, they might actually be important. I'm, well, we'll see. I mean, will anyone be on the show? I can't talk too much about the future. The future is unknown. It is unknowable. I, I just want to briefly mention, uh, there were no opening credits for this episode. And that is a good sign, because there was a point in X-Aid, the other series written by this guy, where they stopped showing opening credits, just kind of did a brief title shot, and that's when the series got really good. So, this could be a swing up. So, you was very confused why Fu was working with them. Uh, back at the villain uh, base, guy he confirms uh, that the AI in Fu's head belongs to a former Metsubo Rai character, the one that you were talking about. Guy's a bastard, and he really needs to die soon. <laughs> Like, uh, Human Gear working in weapons development, so Hidden Intelligence was developing weapons before. With a Metsubo Jinrai, per, like, there are four, right? There are four Metsubo Jinrai people, so we got Jin, we got Hirobi, uh, we got the satellite person whose name is escaping me at the moment. I think it was, like, Raiden, because he was, like, the Thunder. And then we got, uh, one, this last person who is currently living inside, uh, Fu's head. Yep, so he ripped out the AI chip and put it in Fu's brain. And he has a backdoor into it. And this is also why Fu was able to use the Metsubo Jinrai specific technology. Like, this was a play-by-guy to find a way to get any special tech that they developed. Now, uh, Fu, after the scene, Fu and Yua, they have a heart-to-heart in the cafeteria, where they're just kind of, like, standing around a little shell-shocked. Fu was pouring his heart out, you know, saying, like, God damn it, I have a chip in my head. I guess you got a chip in your head, too. We're just guys' tools. Yua reacts badly th- to this, saying, I'm, I'm not just a tool. I'm doing this because I chose to. Yes, she is there voluntarily, and you can tell that so much from her face. Like, Yeah. The thing and- is, like, I think she is there voluntarily, at least to a point. I think she has chosen to follow Guy. I don't think Guy is actively, like, bending her will the way he's bending Fuwa's. But Because, well, I think it's, yeah, that's true, but it's probably because he hasn't had to. Uh, but the second she goes out of line, he probably would push the switch, and she's maybe figuring that out. I, I, Yua has been feeling bad about doing a lot of stuff for like 10 episodes. I know, I know. And there really needs to be a good payoff to that. If he's not her dad, then it would have to be something like equally big. It really needs to be that at this point, but we haven't we haven't learned that yet. So back at... Uh, we are back at Hayden Intelligence, and we're having a debrief with the VP and Aruto and Izu, and everyone is pretty bummed. Yeah, it turns out that was bad for PR when your spokesperson screams that humans should be exterminated and turns into an evil robot on live television. It 
it goes bad, and Arto, there, there's a brief montage of Arto like just going out and trying to give out flyers. Yeah, Arto does. Arto and Izu, they're handing out flyers, talking about you know, hey, Human Gears are our friends. They do not understand campaigning, and we kind of fast forward a little bit through the referendum because the die is cast at this point. With a sixty-five percent turnout, which uh, yeah, that's realistic, I guess. Three uh, percent voted in favor and sixty-two percent opposed. That's pretty harsh. Uh, so the independent city has been rejected, and with everything going on, uh, like heat and intelligence stocks, they immediately start getting bought out. Yeah, the stocks are dropping like a rock. Uh, go figure. And uh, Zaya Enterprises was there waiting to just buy them up through secondary and subsidiary companies. And in very short order, Guy owns Hayden Intelligence. Like, they fast forward through a lot this episode. Like, if you if you didn't notice, uh, all the other contests were two-parters. This very much was a one-parter. <laughs> I don't know. It's about the same time the firefighting contest ended in the firefighting episode. Yeah, but at least, like, the human gear stuck around for that one. Uh, but more, more things are happening. Because Fua, he's walking through an alleyway in the Dark Hood, and he kind of wakes up and is like, Oh, damn it, why am I here? So Fua was brought to the alley by Jin, who is there to murder him and pull the chip out of his brain. Yeah, he's going to set Naki free, but he has to turn and block a sword, because Hirobi is there to stop him. Yep, Hirobi is explicitly there, serving the Ark, saving Fua's life. Because he serves a valuable role as Naki's vessel. Like, they argue for a bit, and Fua is just off to the side, screaming, like, I have had enough, I'm at your tool. Like, he has flashbacks to before, like, when Aruto asked him what his dream was, and he just kind of breaks down, screaming, uh... Hearing also Naki's voice saying, I'm just a tool, I'm only serving Zaya's will. Uh, this is a real good Fuwa episode. Like, it's really harsh for him up front, but we'll get to it. Uh, so, after the freakout, uh, we see Aruto and Guy at a dinner. And this is the I'm now your boss dinner. Guy is the Hayden president. And as his first order as president, he orders Fuwa to kill Izu. He doesn't do that right away. Uh, Arto, because Arto is there to beg, he says, hey, please don't dispose of the human gears, they have souls. And Jack just says, a tool cannot have a soul. And Arto, he gets away from the table, gets on his hands and knees, and is just begging, like, please do not destroy them. There has to be a way they can coexist. And that's when he calls in Fua to kill Izu. And so now it's a fight, like, between Arto, Fua, Yua... Uh, with Izu's life straight up on the line. Uh, Fua, he kind of resists it. He's screaming at his head in great pain as he's uh, fighting off the order. And he says, do you want to be a tool for a corporation? And Yua says, no, I'm doing this of my own will. She transforms. And like I'm even noticing she has like the the tier lines that show up a lot on certain common writers, which are thematically important. Yeah, and so she goes uh, to murder, and there's a brief fight. Now, during this fight, you could tell, like, Fua is trying to break his programming, just trying, trying to break, trying to break, and Jack, he gets involved in the fight. So it's a three-way fight, beat down, where Aruto's trying to hold back everyone until we get to the point where uh, Guy says resistance is futile, but then Fua breaks his programming and starts to shoot at Yua. It's cool that he, like, broke his programming, and this type of show... Yeah, you do stuff with willpower, but, like, 
there's no reason yet why he did it. Like, okay, I could see two good explanations for him figuring this out. Or, like, if, of this actually happening. Because, like, there's no explanation. One, Arto has a fucking sword that can reverse programming on dudes. So even if he was, like, losing the fight really badly, if if you, like, didn't know what he was doing, but he just got in one good hit on Fua, but then was still taken down, but then, like, broke the programming and gave Fua the chance to be free, that would be that would be cool. That would be good. Like, if Fua, like, we've... We've heard Fua, like, almost communicating with Naki and hearing, like, their voice. Like, if they had a conversation and got together at some level and worked together, then that would be something. But instead, Fua just gets angry and just breaks out of it. And I, I, maybe it's the wrong genre, but I'm annoyed that that's all that there is. I'm hoping that that is something that we get in the future. Like, I do hope that it's, we explore uh, a little bit. It's still bad now. Later it could fix it, but it... It, things aren't saved just because theoretically they can be fixed later in the future. At this point, it is unsatisfying story. I know, I know. But anyway, we get to see uh, Fuwa's next power-up transformation. So he was given the what the rider like key with all the animal information that uh, Jack has been absorbing. Yeah, the I think it's like the rampage Gatling Wolf. This costume, it is very very busy, but I actually quite liked it. I mean, it's mostly, like, blue and gold, but then on just kind of the side of its face, it has brief accents of each of the colors of the little hologram animals. And on the back, he has, like, one hologram wolf angel wing, which is very extra. <laughs> yeah, like, he has uh, small bits of armor all over his body that are the different colors of the different animal transformations that they've been doing throughout the series. And it's... It's very confused, it's very busy, but it also kind of works. Yeah, it, in motion it works. Yeah, I'm here for it. And this this is, uh, you see, like, so I don't know what Aruto's final form is yet. I don't think it's Metal Cluster Hopper. Uh, but a lot of the times, the final form of a Kamen Rider is, I can just swap between all the powers I've gotten so far. But instead, Fuwa got it. Because he starts fighting Thouser and... Uh, like new Valkyrie and he's like merging like speed and power and like uh, doing like crazy flying finishers. And there's a moment where he just like no sells U.S. attacks while stomping forward and cracking the ground. It's really cool. Yeah. Uh, so he is going full speed and he takes out Yua and guy just pones and puts them right in the ground. Th they won the fight, but cut to a news report saying, Heat Intelligence is now a subsidiary of Zaya Enterprise. We get a shot of Guy moving into the penthouse uh, in Heiden Intelligence. Yeah, just sweeping the stuff off the desk. We get a very sad shot of the two VPs uh, meeting with Aruto and Izu on a bridge. Uh, the VPs, they say that they were given the option to retire, but they're sticking around. This is still their company, and it is their responsibility to see that it is shepherded well. And Aruto bows and, you know, thanks them and says... My dream hasn't changed, even if my title has. I'm still leaping towards the same dream. The final shot is him in his like bright green shoes walking away. It's almost like a Kaiser Sose walk where it's a little halting, but then it speeds up and gets more aggressive. At the end of the episode, Arto just looks at the camera. So that's... We're definitely entering a new phase of the show. Like, we are out of the goddamn contests. Thank God. Uh, and, I mean... From the next episode preview, things are pretty harsh immediately. 
well, is it immediate? I'm not sure if we're dealing with some kind of time jump. This this kind of feels like it could be a time jump scenario. I don't know, but I mean, I was joking about human gear genocide, and I guess it's happening. We shall see. We shall see. Uh, but that's for e- next week. We'll see either in one week or like, I don't know, half a year. Like, I'm not sure if they're going to, you know. Like, who we'll knows? We'll see when they put out like the movie that condenses the back half of the series into an hour and a half. Coming writer zero two. I mean, what if it goes on long enough that they actually do just, like, kind of stretch this into a year-and-a-half project? We'll see, man. But anyway, RPM! Let's, let's talk about RPM. Like, once we got over the whole destruction of all humanity, then the next couple episodes are much, uh, much lighter. Yes, much lighter, much much jumpier, much more entertaining. Uh, because as we begin episode four of RPM, we are having Green Ranger auditions. Harry, I gotta ask you, why the fuck aren't they just giving this Green Ranger suit to someone from the army? Why are they pulling in randos from the street who are like, circus performers and ventriloquists and having them try out to be a power ranger Uh, i mean i don't know without getting into it i think there's a good chance doctor all right there's one specific reason that i won't get into yet but i mean maybe it's just a thing of they've already tested all the people in the army because i'm not sure how many people there are left i get i mean because of the nature of the show we get the same actors a lot just the extras in the scenes but it might be that there's like 12 people in the army and they can't like spare them like, who knows how it's, things are working? We're never going to get, like, solid numbers on this, but there is enough of an infrastructure in this city to have six different crime families. <laughs> well, yeah, maybe, like, but they're, they've lost a lot of military dudes. Uh, Maybe they've already, maybe there's some science reason why they didn't test it. I mean, like, th- this episode is good enough that I'm fine with that, but, like, they're they're just looking around, they're, they're testing people. For some reason, Ziggy is the one in charge of looking for candidates. Uh, so after we get that intro, we jump back to, uh, Ranger Black, who is being, uh, tested and interviewed by Dr. Light. And he gets a quick rundown of the different Ranger abilities. Apparently, the Yellow Ranger can create fireballs, redirecting energy. Uh, the Red Ranger gets some kind of burst attack, which I'm a little unclear on. The Blue Ranger can fucking stop time for ten seconds, because Blue Ranger is a god. Yeah, it's a good power. Yeah, any kind of time manipulation is a god power. Yeah, he doesn't use it too much, though, so I think maybe it's just, like, an energy hog. It doesn't matter, Harry. Time time stop is God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But anyway, and Dr. K is introducing uh, Dylan, Ranger Black, to his new ability, which is total invincibility. For five seconds, but, I mean, if you can do it right, you can... She says you can withstand a 40 gigaton nuke. So, after that uh, little bomb, we go back to the Green Ranger talent show. It's a very extended comedy bit. Lasts two or three minutes. And we get all the gangsters uh, showing up. I, I'm pretty sure, the the way this is staged, that they just had the scenes of the, the three main rangers just shaking their heads and pressing the no button. And then the rest of it was just Ziggy's actor on stage just kind of improving, vamping with the various performers they have just dancing around. Like, there's a mime, there's a ventriloquist, there's a, just a, like a, a lady with a, a scooter. Harry, was this the same year that, like, America's Got Talent came out? Something like that? 
maybe. I don't know. But it's just, you know, Ziggy's actor just making jokes up there on stage. And yeah, it's it's rapid fire, but it, it does well enough. Uh, as the Ragers tell Ziggy to go out and find someone worthwhile in the line, uh, he is out there just looking for someone who has the potential of being a ranger. And gangsters show up and kidnap Ziggy and pull him into a back alley. Because uh, Fresno Bob, the leader of the Scorpion Cartel, is there to ask Ziggy about the $5 million he owes him. <laughs> Ziggy has a past. Yeah, we get a quick shot back to the villain base where the villain of the week is uh, pulled out of a vat. Uh, this one is another kind of boring one. It's a shovel monster. It's, you know, a pretty dull gunmetal gray. It's got shovels for hands, shovel for head, and just a bit of metal cabling in between. Fenjix himself says uh, to get into the uh, city itself, I have a extra plan of Funa to motion. And here, if they hadn't already introduced her in like episode two, I think this would be a pretty good int- introduction for Tanaya. Yes, as Ziggy is about to get murdered in the back alley, uh, the assassin girl shows up. Uh, she is whistling Farber the Dell, and then she does all the acrobatics, kicking the various gangsters' asses. This big action moment. She really impresses Ziggy. It says, like, yeah, I'm hoping to be the Green Ranger, but I don't know if I got it. And so he's like, no, yeah, you got it. Let, let's go test you. And turns out she has amazing tests, just like Dylan. And all the characters of the show are kind of dumb for not thinking a bit earlier. Maybe we should be more careful about this. You say that, but, like, in five seconds, she is about to be scanned. But still, like, they they say, uh, like, her results are great, and they tell Ziggy to just go get the Morpher because she's probably the best uh, option. But by the time she has gotten back, the guards have been scanning her with the things. So they're saying like, oh, sorry, but we've been getting lots of false positives this week. Then <laughs> they notice a big USB port on her neck and Tanaya breaks out into her robot outfit and starts, you know, beating the hell out of them. By the way, her robot outfit is a Predator cosplay. Yeah. Like she even has like dreadlocks and like a face mask, which I'm sure has like a UV scanning capabilities, which will come up at some point. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, her main thing is that she has, like, glowing eyes, so I think she might just have, like, Terminator vision anyways. So she attacks Ziggy, and Ziggy actually escapes. Like, it's, you know, it's uh, comedy antics escaping, but Ziggy's pretty scrappy. I I quite like Ziggy. Tanaya has, like, a big, long speech about how, like, she's the perfect soldier, the, the all of humanity's, like, capabilities, and she wants to get it out, but she's interrupted by the heroes a lot. Ziggy Vax on uh, a, the tiniest scooter that they could possibly find. He's calling in for backup, uh, but Red, Blue, and Yellow are having to go to intercept, intercept the Monster of the Week, which leaves only Black to effect a rescue. Uh, and there's a kind of intimidating scene where Ziggy is hiding in a, a laundry area. There's just a bunch of close-up drying, and we, we hear Tanaya stalking through it, whistling the farmer in the dell. So Ziggy realizes that he is going to die if he sticks around. Uh, so he needs to go to some place to buy time, and Ziggy being clever, he goes to meet up with the gangers who were there threatening his life earlier. Uh, he says, hey, Fresno Bob, uh, here is what I owe you, and hands him a suitcase. Fresno Bob says, what you owe us couldn't be in one suitcase. Almost by roll of the show, I did look up how much money you could have in an average suitcase, which is about, like, I think, a, a two million or something like that. So he couldn't have <laughs> five million in there, but if you do euros... Uh, those actually have higher denominations printed, so you could get that much in there. So, uh, and this was filmed in New Zealand, so Harry, New Zealand is not in Europe. I, I, well, I, I don't know what. What? Oh, sure, okay. Well, all right. So here's the episode where I'm done b- between Suge Knight and like, is New Zealand on the euro? Look, <laughs> look. Uh, even before our we Australian listener the- is really going to like that, Harry. 
Look, you're... This is the American education system at work. All I know is that we won the important wars that we bother learning about. (laughs) And yes, I was being sarcastic in saying that. So yeah, assassin uh, bot uh, proceeds to murder a dozen gaggers while Ziggy escapes with the morpher and uh, the black ranger in his car. Black Ranger and Tanaya fight, uh, and Ziggy, like, as she is coming for the Morpher to destroy the Rangers from the inside, realizes the only way to protect it is by bonding it to his DNA and becoming the Green Ranger himself. And he's real happy to be the Green Ranger. For a couple seconds until he has to fight Tanaya, it's like, no, I don't want to be a Ranger anymore. Ah. So, uh, we get a quick scene where, uh, Tanaya evacs, but, uh, uh, Green and Black, they have to go and intercept the Monster of the Week. Uh, crawling through the ground as he is a digger bot. I think, don't they call it like a mole bot? Yeah, mole bot. I mean, you can almost feel the point where they shift into the Japanese footage, because then it's just all ensued. It's the green and black ranger. They're fighting a monster in the woods. Also, like, the the fidelity, like, drops a couple levels. Yeah, there's more special effects, but they're a bit grainier. They fight him for a bit. The other three rangers show up and uh, beat him up some. I... I did quite like this fight. It's not the best fight, but it's a fight that tells a story. Because as Ziggy is fighting, as you're watching him, like, he has no idea what he's doing. Like, he has no idea how to use his powers, how to use his weapons. But he's learning, like, mid-battle, and Black is giving him some pointers, and they're kind of teaming up. And, you know, between the start of the fight and the end of the fight, he actually evolves a little bit as a character. You could tell that he's a nothing turning into a something. Yeah. But, but still, it, it's kind of an interesting dynamic, because their Black Ranger is extra strong, so the Green Ranger is kind of a little bit weaker. But, you know, he improvs a lot, and we've already seen him being pretty clever around people, so, yeah. But that is the end of the episode. Like, we get a comedy end for the ep of the team being really sad that Ziggy is the Green Ranger, but Ziggy being really stoked that he's the Green Ranger. There's a mech fight that Sam's just already skipping over, but it, this is just, they transform the kill with a sword. It, it's not an important fight. No, I have notes about it. Do you want to know? Uh, let me read my notes for Vadim about the fight, Harry. Mega fight. That is the only note that I took. Cool. Yeah, let's move on to the next episode, which is is really fun. I love this episode, and uh, we'll... Uh, I'll save it. So, uh, the episode starts with Red Ranger and Black Ranger kind of uh, dick-flexing at each other in their different cars. Uh, it, it's, again, a very Fast and the Furious moment where... Uh, Dylan, the Black Ranger, loves his big American muscle cars, <laughs> whereas the Red Ranger, Scott, likes the, you know, foreign imports. Uh, and you can tell because I, I realized the Red Ranger's steering wheel is actually on the right. The American car is from America, presumably, and this is, you know, a foreign car, so they actually got one with the steering I know that in other countries, the steering wheel is usually on the right. I know that much, okay? And that's fine. I'm not making fun of that. I'm noting. I noticed. I was like, yeah, that makes sense. You know, I actually have no idea what side uh, the wheel is on in Australia. Oh, God. What? Oh, no. Please tell me it's not on the left there for some weird reason. That'll be even dumber. Wait, would would that be a weird reason? Like, I don't know. Like, all the Western Hemisphere, the steering wheel is on the left, Harry. Like, I don't know about Australia, New Zealand. I know there's some country in Europe that had, like, predominantly American imports, so they actually uh, were had the steering wheel on the left for a while, and then they had swap over, but... I. What country was that? Oh, God, there was like a 99% Invisible about it. They had a whole song about you have to drive on the other side now. Hmm. Listen to that podcast. It's better than this one. They probably know what Sujanite's name sounds like. (laughs) Stop saying that, Harry. Stop digging. Stop digging. Look, I'm going to own it for this episode at least. 
Uh, we then jump to the villain base where we are introduced to the monster of the week. Now, I'm going to quote uh, Tanaya uh, verbatim on what the villain of the week looks like. She says, it looks like a giant bottle of window cleaner. And she is very accurate. Specifically, it looks like a bottle of 16 ounce simple green window cleaner. And I thought it was a... I. It's a very distinctive look, and it's not gunmetal gray. I was very excited. Although, Harry, so I sent you a message earlier that I was thrilled when I figured something out. Harry, how much screen time do you think the Monster of the Week gets in this episode? Not a lot. Oh, it's not a lot. I counted because I realized, as we describe the rest of the episode, you will notice a dearth of the Monster of the Week. Like, Toka shows, specifically Sentai shows, they follow a pattern. Like, a Monster of the Week shows up, there's an initial fight, which the monster either escapes or the monster drives the heroes away. Then there's a follow-up fight, after the heroes have learned something, uh, and they defeat it. Then the monster gets big, they go into their zords, and they fight it. That's the formula. We all know the formula. Harry, the Monster of the Week, this time, is on screen for 24 seconds. It is on the screen for 15 seconds before it is destroyed and gets big, and then it is on screen for nine seconds while it is big before it gets destroyed. That That's not a lot of time. Uh, well, I mean, because they're adapting Japanese footage, they just used him for the costume appearance. And like they and what they came up with to fill the episode, I, I'm very glad that they decided to do it. So, Tanaya is talking some smack, saying, do we want to destroy Corinth or give it a streak-free shine? But Fenjix <laughs> points out, hey, you failed last time. And I'm an evil overlord. I don't like having my subordinates fail me. So I'm going to kill you. Because you're far too human. Uh, so uh, after that, we jump back to the base. Uh, Dr. Light is going to teach Black Ranger to use his invincibility shield by shooting lasers randomly at him. Yeah. It's it's a type of shield that means he needs to... It's based on his confidence, at least partially, like to channel the energy. So he has to believe it will block any attack for in, for it to be able to work. And their training is just to shoot energy blasts at him until he believes it'll work, which Dylan doesn't doesn't like. No, it's a it's a comedy bit for the rest of the episode. Dylan will just be walking around and then laser appears because Dr. Light is a dick. Not very good social skills for reasons we'll get into soon. So uh, back to the villain base. Uh, Tanaya has destroyed all the putties that the Vengex uh, sent against her. So the Vengex like says, OK, OK, you're a little impressive. We'll give you one more shot, and I'm going to randomly kill one of my other lieutenants. It's a good moment, because the lieutenant, you know, clearly wanting tonight to be destroyed, said, hey, you promised one of us need to need to be destroyed. So, Vedrix just blasts him, and the dumb one turns to him and says, yeah, you really walked into that. <laughs> uh, the lieutenants all come back, right, Terry? Like, they're robots, so they get repaired. No, I mean, yeah, the, this, this is not... This is not their final death. Like, I mean, there's a point in the series where we'll get destroyed, but, like, it's more significant than this. So, now we go back to the base, and we get a little bit of Ranger hanging out, getting that team dynamic. Like, we get some uh, people playing pool, some people working out, uh, some more laser comedy. Like, they're they're starting to mesh. They're starting to be a team. Uh, but they need to leave really quickly to deal with an incursion, and Dylan's car is, like, uh, he's lost its wheel, so he has to ride with Scott. The tiny incursion, like, it's Tanaya leading a force of putties. Uh, she is there because she needs to knock down the shields of the city uh, to allow the spray bottle monster to come in that we never see. And, you know, there's a brief tussle. Uh, Green, he's still kind of learning. He he tries fighting out of suit for a bit, but no, he has to, he has to go in. It's an okay fight. Like, these are good. These are good stunt people. They know how to put on a TV fight. 
And as Tanaya is driven away, uh, she kind of quickly ducks underneath the car. Uh, she clearly drops something there, and she exits the city. More, more talking about Dylan. He tried to use the invincibility shield during the fight, but it don't, didn't work. Dylan says, hey, I have total faith in the tech, but I don't have faith in you, Dr. K. Because um, I think we mentioned, but maybe we didn't make clear in the previous couple episodes, Dr. K is just a voice on the screen for now. Like, uh, And Scott tries to def- defend doc- the doctor, but Dylan says, we don't know who Dr. K is, where they are. They could be broadcasting from anywhere. And you know, K says, hey, no one wants to destroy the Vengex virus more than me. Uh, but, you know, they, they kind of just, they, they don't really come to a conclusion here. We now jump to a point where Ranger Blue is making a smoothie and getting an assist from an ethereal hand that has dropped out of the bottom of the Red Ranger's car. That is what Tadaya did to infiltrate the base. She ripped off her hand and stuffed it in the bottom of the car. Now it's just kind of creeping around the Ranger base to find the shield controls and disable them. And it's surprisingly effective. And very funny. Like, I love a good physical comedy bit where there's a lot of really strong, really professional people hunting the tiniest lethal thing in the office. There's a point where it gets like a laser torch and just starts shooting everyone. Yeah, (laughs) because the rangers try to leave to get to the monster, but Tanaya locks them in the garage. So the actual action of this episode is just physical comedy of them, like, looking for it. It goes down their shirts. They have to hit Scott with, you know, pull cues for a while. Harry, how boring must the original episode have been that the producers took a look at it and they said, okay, we have a monster of the week who looks like a spray bottle, or we can spend 10 minutes inside a garage with our rangers chasing a disembodied hand. I don't know, maybe it was some part of Japanese culture that would not translate well. I mean, there's only 32 episodes of the series, Harry. Like, they had like 45 to choose from, so they, they could have dropped this one. Like, there's 13 episodes that they dropped that they did bring the monsters over for. Yeah, well, I mean, they they get experimental in this show. Sometimes they do interesting things with the monsters. Uh, but yeah, it's it's just them, like, running around in a garage, like, fighting it that they, like, blast it out of, uh, out of the uh, pool table and, like, Scott hits it like a bat. <laughs> yeah, the sand can take a lot of punishment and they finally kill it. By luring it into the path of what a doctor lights lasers and destroying it like that. Uh, and also during the fight, Dylan does use his invincibility shield. So, you know, character growth. Oh, also she disabled the shields like with a hand early on in the fight. Yeah, but, uh, then yeah, then they go out, they they kill the thing and apparently less than... Got 24 <laughs> seconds, Harry. Like that's from the intro, like pulling it out is like three seconds. Him walking into the city is like two seconds. The actual fight against it when the Rangers show up, like they get out of their car, they already have their guns out, and they fire their finisher as soon as they step onto the scene. And it goes down. Taking notes, I'm just doing this reflexively because I'm just, you know, not thinking about it. I'm pressing the button basically every time this the shot changes. There is one picture of it, well, small. One picture of it while large, and that's it, and then it's dead. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 24 se- I-, I counted, Harry. I was very careful. It is on screen for 24 seconds. Uh, so they beat it. Uh, everyone's happy. They head back to the garage. Dylan offers an apology to the doctor, but the doctor says, no, I actually owe you something. And the screen shuts off. And like a door opens, they kind of wander off into the laboratory and find Dr. K, who is a a tiny girl. She is a teenager with attitude. 
Uh, the actress was 18 at this point. Like, I I think she was, uh, because New Zealand, she was in The Lord of the Rings uh, as, like, a girl being attacked by orcs, I think. <laughs> I mean, everyone in New Zealand was in Lord of the Rings, Harry. Yeah, it, it was fun, although it screwed up their film industry for weird reasons. There, there's a, a whole series on it on YouTube. But yeah, that was uh, RPM. Enjoyable episodes. It It's a good, enjoyable series. And I do want people to keep enjoying it, but... I, I guess I got to mention this now. There, one of the episodes we're covering next week. Like we'll we'll do two again, uh, six and seven. And six, I think, is just like you know, fine. It is what it is. But seven, the current global situation. There's some stuff in there that may be like a little triggering in weird ways. Ooh, but like it, it's a good episode. But I just, I guess, I want to make clear on that. Like, it's, it's a really good episode. It's a very important to the series. And, you know, uh, it's, it's not even the same specific stuff, because obviously we're doing things, but it's... Uh, like there's a Harry, specific... Harry, part of, part of exposure therapy is controlled exposure to triggers in a safe environment where you know that you can stop it by pressing pause, you can get up and walk away, like, you're controlling it at your own pace, so I'm sure it's good for us. I'm sure it's good for us to go through it and watch it. Sure, I'm just mentioning it, because I want to be informed. Uh, okay. It's just... Uh, boy, like, the two series I wanted to do, I, like, I kind of slot, I, I plan, I've planned out a while wanting to do, like, this, and, boy, I sure decided to do a series that's currently running, and a series about people being kind of trapped in a city and a virus taking over the world, right about now. Funk Soul Brother. I, oh, plans are changing, and we're, we're still having fun. I'm, I'm, I'm not gonna do this, and there's one thing that we're always gonna keep doing, Sam. We're going to keep dancing, people. Inside, apparently. Not outside. No street dancing. No dancing with partners. But just keep on dancing. Well, maybe outside. Like, I mean, it's under certain situations. Like, there's... Six feet. Six feet. Like, there's a big empty park nearby that I might just go, because, you know, like, where there's nobody else, and I might just go there and start dancing. Doesn't that sound like fun, Sam? Yes, Although, I do need to go to bed soon because of the horrible timing schedule I've locked us into. I'm sorry. God damn it. Keep dancing.